Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. And what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. You all are in for a treat. Today, we have one of my favorites, Joe Gagliese, who is the co-founder and co-CEO of Viral Nation, and they are behind some of my favorite creators and probably many of yours. If you Google, Instagram, look them up, you'll see so many of your favorite creators are represented by them. And you all, today we're talking about all things content creation, how you get discovered, um, what a talent manager should be doing to help their influencers and creators that they have. So if you're into social media, if you like talent management, if you just want to hang out, this is the episode for you, so let's get into it and hear all the things that Joe's about to break down for us. And Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm amazing, Colin. How are you? Good, good. And before we get started and get into all the cool stuff we're into, we always start with the question, what the term young influential means to you, and it can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> I think young, young and influential, Colin, to me means young people who have taken it upon themselves to um, create or to share different things that help empower people or create opportunity for others is kind of how I see it. Come on with that. Perfect. Okay, we're done. Perfect answer. All right, I'm off. Done. Wrap. <laughs> Wrap. Conversation over. <laughs> um, but before we get into everything, walk us through, like, take us back to childhood, Joe. Were you a big... Yeah media person entertainment like how did your interest in this area kind of get sparked not at all actually I, I i grew up um um my my grandparents were were first generation canadians and they had a dairy farm and i actually grew up <laughs> on a, grew up on a farm um with my grandparents until i was a little bit older and then i uh, ended up playing hockey for most of my my young life uh, all the way until i was about 21 years old but um I always just had an obsession with um, 
entrepreneurship uh, ever since I can remember, um, you know, have always been, you know, I'll give you a cool, cool one, Colin. I, I, I really got into paintball when I was in grade six or grade seven with my friends. And uh, we went to a paintball little tournament. And I noticed during the tournament that the balls wouldn't break at the back when they hit the net. So when my whole team left and everyone left, I had my grandfather bring me back and I cut a deal with the guy to basically scoop up all the paintballs at the back so that I could bring them home, clean them, and then sell them to my friends. So it's it, my whole life has been you know, really centered around looking at things, trying to figure out, is there a better way to do this? Or um, you know, I find sometimes I, 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 I have a very inventor mentality. I like to try to figure out, like, why is this suck? And how can we make it? So, you know, through my life, I, I've looked at so many different opportunities from, you know, paintballs to e-commerce companies to B2B companies. You know, I've really cut my teeth on a lot of different industries, but um, I was always searching for that one thing. And I remember in 2013 when I was like, watching Vine videos in my car and laughing, laughing my ass off in my car. I was like, these guys should be making money. Like these influencers are incredible. And I literally stopped everything I was doing, including a really successful business. And I said, I'm going to go out there and try to help these folks make money. And that's what I did. So that was the introduction to me was just, I was getting so much value out of the entertainment. These influencers were providing me that I was like, oh my God, like these guys need to be remunerated for this at some point I think I can do it so that's creators is what introduced me into this world uh in the beginning that's okay and so did you like from then did you like study anything more how did you kind of learn more about like okay I want to help them get money like what did you do to kind of like Colin I'm I'm insane I'm insane Literally uh, a couple weeks later, I started reaching out to guys on Vine uh, that I that I followed and I, I wrote them a pitch and I said, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing, but I'm willing to try my hardest to figure this out for you. Um, and if you're willing to trust me, uh, I got you. And so, to my surprise, you know, three of them said yes in the first couple of weeks. Um, so I went, uh, you know, I remember calling like some nights I would spend until Three four, three, four o'clock in the morning, scheduling emails to go out to brand people I found on like websites and LinkedIn. And, you know, the, the pitch went something like, you know, I have this wonderful kid. This is where he's from. He creates content that I think would do so well for your audience. He's willing to work for you. And I do it on an individual basis all night, each creator I had. And eventually, you know, people started to reply. And, you know, I, I just built upon that um, to, to develop the business. No, that's so, that's so, that's so crazy because, and also just Vine in general, like, I feel like a lot of the Viners I followed were a lot of the musicians, like, yeah. um, Anna Dinning, um, I know we all follow Lily Pons, like, all, like, those, like, what an era, what a time. <laughs> you know what, man, I was, you know, believe it or not, I was, I was one of Jake Paul's first agents, I used to deal with his mom. Um, in the Vine days, um, you know, the whole uh, vlog crew, like David Dobrik and Scotty Sire and all those guys, I would sleep, they would sleep on my Airbnb couches and floor in, in, in West Hollywood. Um, you know, I remember going to the first influencer meetup uh, in 2014 in New York, and none of the creators could afford a room. So there was like five of them sleeping with me. Um, you know, so like it was, it was an interesting time, but Vine was really, I think the moment where people started to realize that in 15 seconds, you can make a lot of people, uh, get a lot of people's attention. And that was new. 
So it was just, I really think the Vine stars played a really critical role in this whole thing. And people don't talk about it anymore, but they were the beginning of the entire revolution of that type of content. Um, and, and at the time it was them and the YouTubers and the YouTubers were the OGs, right? They were the ones who had already kind of started to figure out how to make money. They, 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 they were growing that, you know, it was a different time. So it was two worlds and, uh, you know, Vine, Vine is the reason I'm here today, actually. Uh, no, what a, t- what a time, what an era. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but so now we're, we're fast forward. We're here. Can you walk us through of like where the concept of viral nation came from and like a little bit of like what you do on a day-to-day and like yeah. kind of through that. Yeah. So Viral Nation, like I said earlier, started as just, you know, I, I, I just wanted to help creators earn revenue for the work that they were putting in. Um, you know, my first creator I ever signed uh, was a parking lot attendant at an arena. Um, you know, so he would make vines in the parking lot and they'd do like two, three, four hundred thousand views every time he did them. And then he'd run back to the booth to let the guy out and pay to get out of the parking garage. Right. So, um, you know, from there, I started to really invest my whole whole heart and soul in the influencer space and started to get into the different platforms. And then I realized that if I was going to be able to make this space work, I needed to help the brands do it. So I got into helping brands be able to develop marketing campaigns. And if you kind of fast forward to today, right, you know, Viral Nation Talent is now the largest talent agency in the world of creators, which is like, makes my heart throb every morning I wake up. It's exciting. Uh, That's, that's kind of where we started. Um, uh, Viral Nation Marketing Group has now grown almost 300 people, believe it or not, and, and we're working on over 100 of the biggest brands in the world, helping them to basically transition from media-led or traditional media-led to social media-led. And it's like my dream come true because when I started Viral Nation Marketing, the whole idea was my whole my whole big bet column was like every way, everything we consume changed, everything we do changed, how we communicate changed, all these things changed and these big marketing agencies better change or else I'm going to beat them. So my idea was create a marketing agency for this future state and that's paid, you know, amazing dividends and that company's doing really well. And then the technology business has six technologies now ranging from influencer technologies, employee technologies, all to do with social. So, you know, from a day-to-day basis, Colin, I think to answer that part of the question, I mean, I spend... I spend it, you know, in equal parts across those divisions, right? So I, you know, every day I, I look into the talent company, I, I assess kind of what's going on there. I try to help the leadership team to think differently. I, I really help to make sure that they are creator first all the time. I never want us to get too big to where creators don't feel like they're a part of something. So, you know, it's really about balancing that team. And then the rest of my day is spent, you know, convincing some of the biggest brands in the world that what we do is their future and trying to get them to make a big commitment to shifting. And uh, I spend a ton of my time, you know, working with those teams to make sure we're able to deliver that change um, for these big companies. So that's basically my my MO. That's so. And what a lot of people don't know is you present some of a lot of their favorites, like Drew, who's like one of my like personal faves. And so many. And I feel like a question a lot of people have is it's like, okay, like we see all these different creators go viral, but how are they finding places like you guys, like Viral Nation and stuff? So is there like a process that you all do or something to kind of find this talent? So, so it's changed over the years. So yes, like we used to recruit talent like crazy, um, you know, because here's the problem, right? Um, influencers don't know what they don't know. And unfortunately, a lot of influencers don't have 
celebrity experience. They don't have digital monetization experience and not to their credit. It's not like they, you know, but they, they're just regular people like me and you who now have this very different setting that, so because of that, unfortunately, there are so many talent agencies and individuals who, who can contact that person and then get them to commit. But it, 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 it's the, the talent doesn't know that there's something bigger uh, that's that's for them. Um, so, you know, now uh, Barrel Nation gets between, you know, let's call it 50 to 300 influencers a day who apply to the company to be represented, which is flattering. Um, but we have very strict kind of uh, parameters around making sure we don't have too many of the same talent, right? So if we have someone who's incredible in one category, having 30 of them doesn't benefit that doesn't benefit themselves together um, as a collective. You need that uniqueness in, in the audience. But, you know, really what we look for, Colin, is three things in our creators. One is their tenacity and their want to be a creator. I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, some creators don't understand that just because the ball started rolling down the hill doesn't mean you can just let it roll. You've got to keep pushing it, trying to make it bigger and keep pushing, right? And this idea that we want creators who are real professionals, who, who, who want it bad, who are willing to you know make more content, who are willing to learn the analytics, learn the business, figure out ways to continue to advance themselves. And if that piece is missing, Colin, it's basically like a hobby that comes with finances every once in a while. And we're really looking to be business partners to creators. Um, second thing we look for is 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 growth and engagement, right? Um, creators' pivotal pivotal stance on their audience engagement is is everything because you can tell how powerful an influencer could be to a community based on those factors, and those factors are very 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 important because if you have an influencer who has barely any engagement, why would a brand want to engage with them? So that becomes a big factor. And then third is just the human being. Um, we we like to work with normal people who have big hearts and and who can be part of the family. So, you know, a big part of our criteria is is this someone that we would want to have, you know, come by our offices, who we want to hang out with, who we would go to bat for, who, you know, has expressed themselves on social media appropriately, um, you know, these types of things. So so there's a lot of factors that go into it, but the human elements end up being the most important kind of piece. And I feel like a lot of times like people are like, oh, I just want to be a creator and bring in me stuff. And it's like, okay, th that's not how it works. You have to, like you said, you have to, first of all, want to do it and be dedicated to it. Because I feel like a lot of times, like with the different platforms, like TikTok and everything, people think that a lot of these creators just get all these views and stuff overnight, but it's a lot of work to putting the video together. So if like, if you don't have the driver, you don't have the true desire to want to, like, like you said, elevate to get to the next level, your talent manager or whoever that these people that you want to represent, you can't help you if you don't have the drive. You can't just go to them being like, have people send me things like, no, like you got to want to work. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and that's becoming more and more true Colin, because, because more and more people are figuring out that you can be a creator. Right. So the creator population is growing rapidly. So now it's not, you know, in the Vine days, in the early YouTube days, there was like three tech guys, right? And if you didn't have those three, there wasn't any more. Now there's 3,000 tech influencers, right? Or there's 10,000 automotive influencers. Or there's a million beauty influencers, right? So, you know, there's only so many brands. There's only so many opportunities, which is why, Colin, like one of the big pivots I made um, as an organization was actually right at the beginning of last year. And I went to my team and I said, guys, we can't 
so as you know, Colin, like a celebrity or an athlete has that consistent flow of income, right? So if I'm LeBron, I know that the Los Angeles Dodgers, or the Los Angeles Lakers are paying me my hundred million a year and that's my salary and whatever. If I'm Leonardo DiCaprio, it's like my next movie paid me 50 million. Like they rely, but creators don't have that luxury. Creators don't have the consistency. They don't, they rely on their ability to monetize their audience. So if you become completely reliant on the next brand deal or the next time a brand reaches out to your inbox to work with you, that's not going to ever create a sustainable business. And, and, and unfortunately, I'd say 90%, maybe 95% of companies who work with creators rely on that, including Viral Nation for a long time. And at the beginning of last year, I said, you know what, if we're going to actually help creators to the fullest extent, we need to round out how we can make creators income. It can't just be about the brand deal. It has to be about their licensing. It has to be about taking their content and selling it, putting it further, putting it into different mediums. It has to be about letting them create businesses. Um, it has to be about helping them create original productions that go onto Netflix. It has to be about creating them podcasts. You need to look at a creator in the center and say, what are every opportunity that I have to capitalize as a creator? And anything that makes sense needs to be going because here's the thing, Colin, if you go six years as a creator trying to figure that stuff out and you get to the end of that six years, your relevancy and what you've lost during that period of time is huge. Like I have creators who, you know, make upwards of a million dollars a year and there are creators identical to them that make no money. Take that in, right? Like that can show you like the disparity. So it's all about... Um, for creators finding a company that has a their best interest in mind and two the ability to help help subsidize their lack of knowledge as to what's possible and that's kind of what we try to do is 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 create a safe place for creators that when they come here they know that we're going to pull on every cord possible to help them in that moment of time and that doesn't mean Colin that every creator who signs with Viral Nation becomes a millionaire in three days there's factors right like but we will do everything in our human possibility to make it happen. And we know and have seen everything. So th that's the stuff in the market that concerns me is you have some of the best creators in the world not extracting that value. And if they don't, by the time they figure it out, they might not be able to. So it's it's an interesting, interesting space. No, and that's so true because I feel like the whole time you can't just come in and be like, oh, like I'm just going to continue making – these funny videos for a whole bunch of time. And it's like, okay, like you said, like you're going to lose your relevancy over people are going to be like, okay, cool. Maybe the first three years, but then after they're like, all right, what's next? Like you're going to do a show. Like, I know I'm like that with a lot of the different creators I do where I'm like, okay, like you make these funny skits on TikTok, but what are we doing? Do you want to have, like you said, do you want a special on Netflix? Do you want like a TV thing? Like what's your end goal? And same thing with a lot of the, different beauty and skincare ones it's like do you want a brand do you just want to do this and it's like you kind of have to have that idea and concept maybe not everything worked out but you kind of have to have an idea of this is my end goal because you can't somebody nobody can help you if you don't know which direction you want to go in so you can't just say like okay we'll just figure it out we'll just wait it's like no <laughs> i gotta know where to how to help you become the best version or help you really elevate to that next level that you're trying to get to yeah. And, and oh my God, you're, you're so right. And now keep in mind, Colin, like there are certain people and I know, you know, people like this for sure. Cause we both do that are just uber creative. Like they're creative at a level where they're never going to be a business person. 
You know, have you ever met those people who are just so creative <laughs> that they're just business and them are just like polar opposite things. Right? <laughs> you know, like, oh, you want me to do that stuff for free? And you're like, no, 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 no. Like it's that, it, but that's where the trust kicks in, right? Is they need someone like me or someone like someone on our team to go, hey, no, this person is creating a lot of value for you. This person's working very hard for you. Like, so that's the disparity in terms of trust. Like the creators got to trust someone. They got to really trust that that person has their best interest in mind, because if they don't, you really don't know until years to follow. Right. Um, but, but, you know, there's a special place in my heart for those creators that are super creative because I love protecting them because they work the hardest, right? They're all about the craft and not so much about the money. Whereas there's certain creators who are all about the money and not about the craft, right? So it's about finding that middle ground um, and pushing because to your credit, it's hard. Like it's, it's really hard. I've been watching creators every day for my whole, like for the last 10 years of my life, it is hard. And if you're a creator and you take a break, let's say Colin, you had a big YouTube channel, a big TikTok channel, and you just needed a break, a mental health break. You just needed two weeks with your family to chill, right? The implications of that two-week break in terms of the algorithms on the platforms could be devastating to a creator. So it's not that it's just hard. It's always on, 24-7, 365 days a year, and it doesn't stop, right? So there's they're putting in so much, and I love to see them get a lot out, if that makes sense. No, it does. And I feel like you brought up a good point, too. Like, I know a conversation I have with a lot of different creators is, I'm like, hey, whenever you want to, like you said, take a mental health break or days where you just don't feel like creating – and a lot of them have mentioned the, uh, the thing of where they're like content batching. And I know that's kind of been around for a while, but had different yes. names. Like I know some creators are like, oh, like I'll pick days where it's like Mondays we shoot and we film whatever, whatever all day. And it's kind of, I feel like we're now seeing more creators lean into that because it's now, like you said, become more acceptable where it's like, okay, I don't have to film something fresh every day. But if I say have a planning day once a week or a certain time of the month where I just do 10, 15 little small videos then on days where I don't feel like doing something or if I'm on a trip and I can't film or upload, I can just quickly have that scheduled out. But Colin, the mindset of that creator you spoke to, they're a business person. They see what they're doing as a business. Whereas we try to teach them that. Like we're trying to say, hey, if we plan this properly and we get you the right resources, either you can do a crap ton more or you can live a little bit more of a balanced lifestyle against what you're doing, right? And then some creators' response to that is like, but I do my stuff on the fly. I don't plan. If there's content to be made, I make the content. And those ones burn out, right? Because at mm -hmm. some point, now they're chasing it, right? And then you have to remember, like, we've talked a lot about creators and lack of acumen and et cetera. But please remember, too, a lot of creators are really young. And, and people really don't recognize that sometimes. Like, the guy's 21 and speaking to 30 million people. Okay. So, so, you know, like that's the reality. So sometimes too, it's not even the fact that they don't, they're not capable of it. They're just young. Like I remember when I was 21, if I had to do one fifth of what my YouTubers that we represent do on a weekly basis, there was no chance. There's no chance that Joe at 21 would have been able to accomplish that. I, I promise you, I, I had a hard enough time in like second year university. So, you know, it's also a young person with a ton of pressure with a huge ecosystem, with a lot on the line, and they're just a kid. They're a young person. They're, they're figuring themselves out. So, yeah, people really don't uh, understand, Colin, how much creators go through and, and just how hard it can be for them. And to the point where, you know, I don't know if you'd agree with me, Colin, but I think the word influencer has a lot of negative connotation to it now after the years, right? Like I think sometimes when someone's like, I'm an influencer, they're scared to say it because 
you know, I think a lot of a lot of consumers and a lot of people think like, you know, influencer used to be a joke or, you know, they're just dancing on Instagram or, you know, they just went viral because of the Dr. Phil show or, you know, whatever happened through the years. It's like the, the real creators even struggle identifying themselves. Right. Like, do I call myself a creator? Do I call myself an influencer? Like so there's a little tension on them from that perspective, too. So. You know, at the end of the day, I think what I'm trying to say, Collins, I, I, I really care about these creators and, and I wish that people would invest more time in understanding what goes into what they're giving back to us. Because um, I think so time so many times it's easy for me and you, social media users, to take advantage of free content at that rate of speed. But these guys work really hard. And, and, and the stuff that you're watching, be it 15 seconds or 15 minutes, took a lot for that person to give to you. And I feel like sometimes we, we as consumers have become so transactional on content that we're really not understanding what that means. Right. Like, and, and how we, you know, how I wish people supported creators more, not even brands. I'm talking just us, right? Like you have, you have creators, Colin, who have YouTube channels where they, um, you know, you remember that old Chris Hansen show to like catch a predator, Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> like there's a big subsect of YouTubers who do that now, right? And they have like Patreons and they they struggle to raise like 20 bucks, right? Or you have creators who make some of the craziest content I've ever seen. Like I'm talking Scorsese level stuff and they'll monetize $4,000 on their video, right? So like at some point, us as consumers need to start paying for or or supporting what we're getting back. And I think we've been so trained to just eat it but have no thought of the recourse of what went into making the food and and i think at some point that's got to balance a little bit when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. And that's such a good point, Chicks, when you were saying that. It made me think of like how Instagram, for instance, has like that new like subscribe button where you can turn your account into like a subscription thing for like, um, I've seen like as little as like five bucks a month. Um, But then there's also like the podcast ones where it's like you'll pay a small amount for it. And it's like, now we're all like 
why do I need to pay for this? And it's so true. It's like what you said, like we've gotten so accustomed to it, but it's like um, someone spending like six hours, eight hours, or even if it's 30 minutes, they're putting time into some sort of product. So it does make sense. But I feel like it's like you said, we've been so spoiled these last 10 years or X amount of years where we're just like, oh, there goes so-and-so again giving us a full quality video about like best Amazon finds that they found this month. Yeah, and, and and you're right. And then, you know, the buck also has to get passed to the platforms too, Colin, because at the end of the day, I think the most valid argument of a consumer like me and you would be like, well, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and Twitter are making so much money off of me, the consumer. Like, why aren't they paying them more? Right? Like, that's the best argument from like a consumer perspective is like, yeah, but Facebook's making a ton of money off me. Why don't they share the wealth to the creators? And I think, I think that, you know, there's some meaningful conversation happening inside of the platforms that I'm privy to and I'm a part of that that are exciting to me for creators. Um, but will it ever be enough is kind of what I don't know, right? Uh, you know, will it be enough? Because sometimes, Colin, like in life, it's the cream of the crop. It's the biggest influencers in the world. It's the ones with the most attention. It's the one with the most views that get the, the, the most reward, right? But there's a cohort of influencers and individuals in the middle and below that are equally, if not more important. So anyway, there's, there's dynamics to, to that landscape, but my dream, like just as an individual, you know, be it viral nations here tomorrow or not, my, my dream would still be to see creators be, have the consistency and the remuneration that is equal to the output they're putting out. I'm not asking them to be paid like LeBron. I'm not asking them to be paid like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I just, I'd love to see a point where a creator can feel confident to live their life the way they need to, or the way that they want to while doing that craft. And, and we're not there today. Um, we're truly not. Uh, there, there's influencers that have some of the craziest engagement and craziest content I've ever seen, literally making zero dollars. Like I'm talking, have never made money before. So you know, my dream personally is to see that happen at, at some point, to, to see creators just have their own economy where they can feel comfortable and build their lives and their families around. And I kind of want to go back to, from you saying that, go back to our point about like the brands and stuff. When brands and things are coming to you all about saying like, oh, we'd like to work with so-and-so creator and stuff, like what are the types of things that they're asking for and that you guys are asking for to kind of negotiate the things? Like if someone that, for instance, is like, really known for doing these really cool super cut or super eight uh, YouTube videos and say like Netflix or somebody's like, Hey, we want to work with your, like, what are some things that you would ask them and that they're asking you guys in those conversations? Yeah. So first of all, you know, I have a lot of praise for, for brands around the world, investing in creators. I think, you know, if it wasn't for them calling, we wouldn't have creators, like they wouldn't exist. Right. So brands have been the big subsidy that has allowed creators to continue to grow. Um, so I answer the question in two ways. So, um, uh, viral nation, as you know, has a big talent company that kind of sits separate from the big marketing company, right? So on the marketing side of the business, our goal is to derive the most value for the brand as possible. And then in the talent business, our goal is to create the most value for the talent as possible and to not create conflict or, or make it seem like there was choosing of sides, those two businesses interact with each other just like an outside company would. So they kind of go back and forth with each other, right? Um, so so when, you're, when you're thinking about a brand, 
um, there's a few key metrics. So, so brands look at things pretty simply when it comes to any form of media, right? Which is like, how much reach am I getting? How much engagement? How much impressions? And what is the outcome, right? Those are kind of the baselines that they're trying to make their decision to pay a creator. They're not paying a creator, Colin, just for the good graces of their heart. They're paying a creator because they want to sell more of something. They want to deliver a message about their brand. They want to be um, seen in culture in the right ways. Like they all have their own KPI or their goals. So First is about assessing what that goal is and what their expectation around that goal is, and then finding a creator with the right goods to be able to deliver against that. So, so the first part is really that matchmaking and understanding based on the brand's goals, who is the best person from a content perspective, a creator perspective, and from an audience perspective to match what they're looking for, right? And once you establish that, that'll give you the parameters of the budget, right? So if the brand has a goal to reach a million people, we're not going to use Mr. Beast because that would cost 700 times more than they want to spend. So it's all kind of based around the goal of the brand and then trying to match it to the right outcome from a creator perspective. And then the negotiation usually happens around, A, what the creator is willing to guarantee in terms of that outcome, right? Because one of the issues with, with agencies and with creators who don't have a viral nation or a background like us is that they approach brands in a very, in, in a very wrong way, which is, this is how much I cost. Why? Because, and you either pay it or you don't. The problem with that is you become as good as your last deal. So if I'm a creator and my last deal was 10,000, I assume my next deal should be that or more. The issue with that is the creator's not working in tandem with the brand. They're setting this pricing matrix around themselves that doesn't allow for the goals sometimes to match, right? So usually the negotiation happens around getting the creator to a place comfortably financially, but that will output the goals that the brand is looking for. And it's somewhere in the middle that we always find that kind of sweet spot. But um, if you are a creator and you overprice a brand, let's say you're a creator, Colin, and the, and the brand that you want to work with is um, Dollar Shave Club. And Dollar Shave Club goal is to convert new people to be subscribers for uh, razors. That's their goal. And I'm a YouTuber and I say to them, I want 50000 because that's how much my YouTube videos cost. Now what happens is these guys on this side are trying to figure out does that make sense for us? What are his average views? They're trying to work back based on what he said towards their goals as opposed to working collaboratively. Because what you don't want to do is charge Dollar Shave Club $50,000. They get $10,000 in value back and they never work with you again, right? Like because they mm -hmm. didn't, they, you know, essentially you overcharge them. So one of the big things that I've been predicating to the talent company here at Viral Nation and industry-wide, like I've been really trying to say this a lot, is that talent needs to work to achieve the brand's goals. Because when the brand feels like you're achieving their goals and you're working with them is how you unlock long-term relationships, year-long programs. So if it's worth 50000 to you, but 30000 is what meets their goals and they're going to come back six more times throughout the year and make you a true partner of their brand, I would take that 10 times out of 10. But the problem is that a lot of creators and a lot of agencies look at themselves almost like a like a, a priced asset or like a piece of art where it's like, I need to get this amount. But, you know, if you start to think about as the creator, what can I do to help this business who's about to give me money, achieve their goals so that they're happy and continue to work with me? 
that's where real negotiations happen that create material outcomes for both parties for a very long time. Part of the reason influencer marketing gets such a bad rap is because brands hear guys like me do podcasts and do webinars and the, the power of influencer marketing and they're excited about it. And this could be the new channel for their brand. And then they go in and they pay a bunch of creators and nothing happens. They don't get, they don't get any new customers. They don't get what they were looking for. And then all of a sudden it's like influencer marketing sucks. And, and if you're not having that conversation and working towards, towards the goals, then people are literally buying lottery tickets. And that's not how influencer marketing works. Influencer marketing works by establishing a connection with a human who has an audience that cares for them and respects their opinion and speaks highly of your company and helps to, to endorse their audience buying your stuff. And if, if you're not negotiating on those principles and you're negotiating on this is how much I cost and whether it works or doesn't work, who cares? You're never going to create a sustainable business that way, Colin, ever. And that's true because I feel like a lot sometimes, like you said, some people are going in being like, oh yeah, this is a thing, but they're not thinking, like you said, like long-term partnerships. And I feel like you have to go and be in like, okay, like, is this somebody that I know I'm going to want to work with again, or I truly want to be a part of more than one thing. So I can't be treating it as like it's a one and done where it's like, give me this or nothing at all. It's like, no, like you have to go in that mindset. Like you said, like if they're like, Hey, like we're thinking that instead of you want it a hundred K we're thinking 30, but we'll come, we want to come back and have you do five or six more dollar shave club or Harry's campaigns for us. And it's like, some get so caught up in their number and like, Nope, I don't want to do it. And then they walk away and it's like, you just lost out on a long-term partnership because you're so caught up in that one number. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and Colin too, it's like, you know, sometimes, and this goes back to the acumen, they need people like the viral nation to help teach them this. Cause it's not that they're stupid. It's not that they're naive. It's not that they're trying to scam people. It's what they're being told and they don't know. Right. So, so they're being told you're worth this, ask for this. And they're sticking to it because because that's what they've been told. But, you know, I, I said to a president of our talent company the other day, I said to him, I said, if Dyson came to me and I had a YouTube channel about tech and they wanted to sponsor one of my YouTube videos, I would do a sick deal with them. And then as my post is going live, I go on my Instagram, I go on my TikTok, I go on my Twitter. I would work really hard to create that value for Dyson so that they could be my partner and I can rely on that income for the rest of the year. Right. So, Creators sometimes too in that process call and are like, well, you only paid me for one Instagram post. So sorry, it didn't work. But it's like, but do you want to work with them again? Or like, mm -hmm. what are we doing? Like, so, so understanding that this brand is investing in you. Truly, that's what they're doing. They've decided, okay, I can either take this money and put it in Google ads, or I can trust Joe to talk about my product. They're invest. It's, it's, it's a form of flattery, in my opinion. It's like they love what you do. They 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 think that you're awesome. They want to pay you to talk. Like they're they're your biggest fan. Like anyone who's giving you money to do something has to be one of your best fans, right? Colin's like the people who buy the jersey at the at the hockey game or the football game. Like they're your biggest fan. So really breaking down this barrier of like selling art and lottery tickets and making it more business oriented from both sides, I think is the next generation of the creator space. And I think hopefully we'll continue to smooth out and continue to develop the space in a meaningful way. Cause that it won't work with 
taking flyers all the time. That's not how big brands work. Big brands plan. Big brands need to know and understand how their dollars are, are coming back. They have boards. They're public. Like We need to broach that professionalism gap between the two and really find that center ground where they're both they're both working with each other. And like with that idea, with that concept, I know you guys also have like a global reach as well. Do you find that that's the same concept for creators that say in different places like Brazil and other places up around the world? Or do you, is there something specifically different when working with those so, types? So of it's creators? interesting you say that. I don't think that this is a uh, this is common. I don't think it has to do anything with the influencer space. But I think that sometimes in um Countries that don't have the same luxuries that we wake up to every day, Colin, have just a deeper sense of appreciation for a lot of things, right? Um, so, so, so to your comment, like you know, some of our Brazilian talent, some of our European talent, some of our South American talent, um, the excitement they get around the deal and the opportunity and the amount of post extra they'll do and and how thankful they'll be even to their agent, like thank you so much for this opportunity, it's huge for me, and like I think it's just a common global thing where, you know, people who, you know, wake up every day and aren't sure what's around the next corner or, you know, aren't, 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 aren't as, as comfortable as we might be in these kind of more developed uh, economies, um, just have a general deeper sense of appreciation, um, Colin, that, that, that rings through business, their own personal life when they travel, when they go eat at a restaurant. You know, it's funny, you bring influencers in to, to Toronto or to New York from these places and you'll go to dinner with them and, you know, they'll thank the waitress 20 times during the dinner or, you know, they'll thank you for dinner 10, 15 times. And you might get a creator who's a big creator from the U.S. or Canada and there's this sense of entitlement, Right. And, and again, it's, I think you've seen that. We see that in sports. Like, look at uh, – uh, there's a guy, Spicy P, on the Raptors who's from Africa, and he was part of a big reason why we won the championship. And they did a documentary on him, and he came from a, a, a very, 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 very rough third world part of the country uh, – part of the world. And his gratitude to the Canadian people, to the team, to the fans, it was just electric. So I think it's very much – they have a different sense of the power of the opportunity they have um, um, and, and the size of that opportunity. I think that rings true across every vertical, including this one. And uh, just to like go back to like that, whenever you guys are like find like that same approach that you all are using to like find and work with like the brands and talent here, are you guys finding that those same approaches work over there as well? Because I'm thinking of like someone who's like, oh, I'm a creator here in uh, Luxembourg, like. How would I, I have a great following, I'm doing all the right things, but I can't seem to get the attention of a place like Viral Nation or the attention of brands and stuff. Like, do you guys feel like yeah, you so, are doing that same approach? Yeah, so brands make decisions based off of the audience of the creator, first and foremost, right? So if I'm a, if I'm a, a you know, a Canadian tire, which is only available in Canada, I'm not going to sponsor a kid from Texas whose audience is all from Texas, right? Like, so, you know, where your audience is and the makeup of that audience, men, women, age, location, you know, all the different demographic and psychographic information you can get on an audience is the biggest sticking point. Because when a brand wants to accomplish that goal, they know exactly who buys their stuff and who doesn't, right? And what areas buy their stuff and who can't and all that stuff. So your audience dictates your opportunity in a way. Right. So you can look at someone's audience like we do it every day. So you look at our creator's audience, we pull it, pull someone and we say, OK, George's audience, we pull the audience. And then our technology allows us to say, here are all the brands that like this audience. 
right? So that we use audience to infer um, which brands can work for them. Um, but that doesn't mean that international creators can't work with local brands. It just needs to be uh, local American brands and stuff like that. We represent tons of creators in Brazil. We're one of the biggest in Brazil. We have tons of Mexico, Asia, et cetera. But the deals happening from those creators are happening in Brazil and Asia, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not getting Coca-Cola USA to sponsor the kid from Brazil. What we have done, though, is go to Coca-Cola USA to get an introduction to Coca-Cola Brazil and start working with them there, right? So um, there's interesting opportunities. Um, one of the cool things that 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 we've seen for international creators is is hospitality. So, um, you know, different hospitality groups in America call it like an MGM group, for instance, or a Four Seasons or, you know, what they'll do is they'll use creators who have audiences in other countries they want to attract to come to America, let's say, for instance. So there's there's tons of different ways that international creators can make money and, and have equal opportunity to different things. But you need to attack the market where your audience is, um, first and foremost. I love that. And to wrap us up, like, what is it? What's some advice that you think, like, say, if I'm a talent agent and I'm listening, I'm like, oh, I'm so frustrated with, like, trying to help my new client like kind of hone in their idea of their like longevity thing of like what they want to do. Like what are some tips you would give like other like talent groups or people listening who are being like, I need to help my creators and my clients really hone in on their future goals. Yeah. My, my advice and I, and I'll, you know, and, and I, I drank, my, I ate my own medicine uh, Colin because when Viral Nation <laughs> talent was coming up in the game, um, I remember when we had certain breakout talent or people who got really huge, like a Jake Paul or something like that. At some point I knew that Viral Nation wasn't the place for them at that point in their career. I didn't have what I have now and companies that were really sophisticated, uh, they did. So, you know, I think sometimes it's about trying to separate the selfishness of what you're trying to achieve with what's best for the creator. And I don't mean call your creator and say, go sign with someone else because I'm awful. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what, I, what I'm saying is you don't need to hoard the creator in order to win. You know, if you see that there's opportunity, reach out to a viral nation and say, listen, I have these four or five great creators of these 20 and they're killing it. And, you know, maybe there's a way to partner or but the, the real sound advice just to wrap it all up is you always, always, always got to consider what's best for the creator in that moment in time. And if you can't provide it, you got to go find it for them. And it doesn't mean you need to relinquish it. It just means that you need to always be doing what's right by them. Um, because to our earlier conversation, they might not know what they don't know. And by you restricting them from seeing what else is kind of in the waters for them, an opportunity because you're trying to kind of accomplish your mission will affect them in a really material way over time. So, you know, if I'm an agent and I'm listening to this and et cetera, because I've been there, I started as an agent nine years ago in the talent space. I always try to put the best interest of the creator first and what's best for them in that exact moment in time. And then let's run, right? Like Viral Nation, for instance, I have partnerships with CAA. I have partnerships with UTA. I have partnerships with Ford Models. I have partnerships because there's certain creators in the Viral Nation orbit that need things that I don't do. Right. And, and that I don't want to pretend to do, because if you're a creator who's really, really excited about potentially breaking out in Brazil as an actor, I've never done that before, Colin. <laughs> right. You know, I, I've never done that. And I need to. So I work to resource who the right partner is. I help them vet them. I really get in the weeds to try to make sure they have the best uh, potential partner. So 
it, if you put the creator first and, and, and you park the selfishness, that parking of the selfishness and going creator first will create massive opportunity. To give you an example, Mr. Beast's manager, um, who's an incredible human being, at the early days, he would come to me, come to other guys like me in the space. We would partner on stuff. Hey, Joe, do you got something to help me with, you know, uh, Mr. Beast? And we did a bunch of deals with him together. To try. Like he wasn't don't touch Mr. Beast because it's all about me. It was how do I go find the best players in the space and figure out how I bring the most value to my client? And that worked out for him in a major way. He's probably now one of the most revered and one of the most special and incredible managers that exists. But at the beginning, he had no selfishness, Colin. He used to call. He used to come. We used to have awesome chats. I actually ran into him like six months ago. and We, we sat for an hour together just to shoot the shit. But we were competitive because he was creating something special. But he knew I had certain things at the time that he didn't. And he knew that's what Mr. Beast needed. That's what his talent needed. And we worked together and he maintained those relationships. And now is one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. So it's not always about competitive nature. And if you have the mindset, Colin, of putting the creator first and doing what's right by the creator, the fruits of that will always come back to you every single time. And both of you will win in the long term, if that makes sense. Well, you heard it here first, people. Like, <laughs> Drop some mic. Like, don't be selfish. Help everybody out. Yeah, <laughs> help everybody out. Yeah. Uh, but Joe, thank you so much, and thank you for blessing us with all these gems. I feel like I have so many notes that I need to go over now to apply to my own life. <laughs> thank oh, you so thank much. You. Thank you for having me, Colin. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, it was awesome. Wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Aarons, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.